0: You're listening to the Good Friday service preached at Sojourn Church Midtown. On Good Friday, we pause to remember Jesus' ultimate sacrifice on the cross. Today's scripture reading is Matthew 27, 46. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli! Lemus, lemus sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the word of the Lord. My name is James Fields, and I serve, um, bring you greetings from and Church Carlisle, proudly located in the south end of Louisville, where I serve as the lead pastor. I am the proud husband of Catherine, who we've been married for 13 years now, and the loving father of Uh, Three little ones, uh, Naomi, Elliot, and Luke. And I have to tell you that Nick and I have been looking forward uh, to this day with much eagerness and anticipation. Although we didn't imagine it happening in this way, uh, we still give thanks to our God. It's truly a gift from him to be able to be associated with this church and the collective as a whole. And to actually be planted out from this church as the fifth church within the Sojourn uh, Collective, I want to thank you all for your just warm hospitality and your warm welcome. And uh, I personally want to uh, thank uh, Robinson uh, specifically for just his help and uh, sermon prep. I also per- personally count it a great privilege and honor to be able to share God's word with you, um, his beloved people here at this church. And I want to publicly thank my friend and my brother, Uh, Pastor Jamal Williams, for allowing me to have this unique opportunity. Would you pray with me? Father God, we uh, thank you for this day you've given us. As always, God, I ask that you take my little and make much of it. I don't have much to give, but God, what I have and what you have given me, I pray that you will bless it and multiply it for your name and for your glory. Lord, let some mind be transformed and let some soul be saved for the advancement of your kingdom. Hide me behind your cross. And allow Jesus to be glorified. In his name we pray. Amen. Anguish, sorrow, hopelessness, despair. These are words that have become synonymous within our world today as we endure the growing reality of this pandemic. The statistics, they speak for themselves. In our world, the coronavirus has Um, had at least 1.4 million cases worldwide with 83,000 deaths and still counting. In our country, over 400,000 cases have been reported of corona, as well as 13,000 deaths. And even in the great state of Kentucky, there have been about 1,200 cases that have been reported with 65 deaths. You see, before COVID-19 and this global pandemic, worries that never could have been imagined or even conceived have become our new reality. Words that could only be used to describe our worst nightmare are being used on a daily basis to describe our everyday life situation. Anguish, sorrow, hopelessness, despair. And if we're truly honest with ourselves, if we're keeping it real with ourselves, if we're keeping it 100, as the young people like to say, these words also serve as an accurate description for the state state of our own very souls. Anguish, sorrow, hopelessness, despair. And if you're streaming this video today, and this is true of you, And if you're sitting under the sound of my voice, and this is true of you, I have hope for you. I have hope for your situation. I have hope for your predicament. And here's the hope. The hope is this, is that God not only knows about your predicament, he's experienced it himself. And today I want to preach from this topic, our God forsaken. Listen to the words of Jesus hanging from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And of the seven last words of Jesus, in my opinion, this is by far the darkest. And Jesus' question speaks to three distinct realities that I want to talk about with you tonight. The first one is this, is that this is not a question of ignorance. This is not a question of ignorance. Number two, that this is a question of innocence. And number three, this is the requirement for our imputed righteousness. Look with me to the first reality. This is not a question of ignorance. It is here more than anywhere else that the cost of fulfilling the will of the Father is becomes the clearest for us all. You see, Jesus' greatest apprehension was not being betrayed by Judas. Jesus' greatest apprehension was not being beaten by the mob. It was not being forsaken by his disciples. It was not being wrongly convicted or even being brutally executed. You see, Jesus' greatest apprehension was anticipating his separation from the Father while dying on the cross for human sin. It is here more than anywhere else that we become aware and we're reminded of the seriousness of sin, that sin always separates us from our God. And just as the first Adam separated himself from God due to the the enticement of sin, The second Adam, Jesus, the son of the living God, had to be temporarily separated from God, the father, due to God's hatred of sin. Love how Galatians 3.13 puts it. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. This is a good reminder for us this evening that salvation is not a feeling, but it is, about, it is a, about our position. Salvation is not a feeling, but it's about our position before a holy and righteous God. And although our feelings might not change, or might change, excuse me, if the gospel is a true foundation for our relationship with God, it will always remain unshaken. I love Brian Chappell's words about this in The Power of Mercy. He says this about service. He says, lasting service comes from when we serve God from his acceptance and not for his acceptance. It's a good reminder for us that only God can make us right with God. And he does that by this act of what we call, this, the um, theologians call Justification which is the act of God by which we who are unrighteous in ourselves are nevertheless declared righteous before God. It is a judicial or a legal act of pronouncing one to be right in God's sight. So number one, this is not a question of ignorance. But number two, this is a question of innocence. See, this is the first time that innocent human lips have uttered such a statement. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, David spoke these words in Psalm 22, chapter 22, verse one. But this is Jesus, the sinless son of God, who is uttering these words. It's a good reminder for us that while on the cross, Jesus remained as holy as ever. For he did not become a sinner, but only a sacrificial substitute. See, Jesus was more than just a martyr. A martyr is simply one sinner dying on behalf of another. He was more than just a scapegoat. A scapegoat is just a sinner who takes on the sin and the punishment of another and is forever cast away as one who is guilty in order that the sin of the one who has been tra- the sin has been transferred to may be able to live. No, Jesus is our substitute. I love what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. It says, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And not only was Jesus not only our our substitute, he also was our sacrifice. Romans 4.25 says it this way. He was delivered over to death for our trespasses and he was raised to life. For our justification. So not only was this a question of, ign- of, of ignorance, this is not a question of ignorance. Not only is this a question of innocence. Lastly, this is the requirement for our imputed righteousness. So we have to ask ourselves, what is this thing called imputed righteousness? In order to show you that, I want to show you a couple of Movie clips. And as you see these movie clips, I want you to think this question. What do these movies have in common? If you're looking at this screen and thinking right now, you're probably saying absolutely nothing. But that's not true. The answer is imputation. You see, imputation is an exchange between two parties or entities that leaves them both eternally changed. You see, imputation is more than just a direct deposit. It's more than just a one-way transaction. It is a divine reversal, and is it a two-way exchange? Y'all probably didn't know this about me, but I have a twin out in the world. My twin is much more famous than me. Here's a picture of him right now. A lot of people, since I've come to Kentucky, I've had at least 20 people stop me and say I look like that guy. The guy's name is Tyler Perry, one of the most famous and renowned directors in our country today. And just this week, three days ago, Tyler Perry, he gave $21,000 in tips to 42 restaurant workers, which equates to about $500 per worker. Hence, it's, this is not simply uh, imputation is not simply having Tyler Perry put five hundred dollars into your bank account, although that's a good gesture and very generous. And if you want to do that, Tyler, to my bank account, feel free to do that. No, imputation is much more than that. Imputation is not just a sense of generosity of giving money to someone who is in need. Imputation is actually exchanging Tyler Perry, taking the time to exchange his banking and his rounding number with yours. It's it's him not just giving you in a sense of generosity, but it's a sense of grace where he not only gives you the money, he gives you the entire bank account. Imputation is an act of God where God literally took upon, took our sins upon him while on that cross. And at the same time of him taking upon our sins, he gave us, imputed to us, his righteousness. Consequently, though Christ, through Christ, you have been made perfect. You have been forgiven through him and his righteousness has been credited to you. And as a result, you are a new creation. I love what 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, how it says it. Paul says it best. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, behold, new things have come. So how does this work, Pastor Fields? Sounds all good, but how does it work? How does this divine reversal take place? Well, you see, at the cross, we witness the unlikely intersection. Where the love of God meets the holiness of God. And in his holiness, in his holiness, he requires a payment for the penalty of our sins. Oh, but through his love, he offers himself as that very payment. I love how Romans 5, 5, chapter 5, verses 18 through 19 puts it. It says, so then, as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone, So also through one righteous act, there is life giving justification for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So also through one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. See, God, the father treated Christ as if he was a sinner, though he was not and had him die as our sacrifice and our substitute in order to pay the penalty for our sins and the sins of those who have yet to believe in him. See, at the cross of Calvary, this love is seen most clearly. Again, of the seven last words of Jesus from the cross, this is by far the darkest You see, at a time when his body would have been weakening through blood loss, and at a time when the pain in his arms and his feet due to the nails would have been acute, Jesus' mind was preoccupied with something else. His mind was preoccupied with the experience of spiritual desolation and divine judgment as he willfully, willingly bore the sins of many. Jesus' mind was preoccupied with someone else. Namely, you. And so he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or other translations may say, why have you abandoned me? He was abandoned. Because of our sins and not his own. He was abandoned because of our guilt and not his own. And he was abandoned because of our judgment and not his own. This is a good reminder for us all. That although salvation is free, it is very costly. For it cost God the ultimate sacrifice of his son. Even more, this was the only, one and only time in human history when God would be separated from himself, when God would be separated from his image, when God would be separated from his word, and when God would be separated from his glory, And the answer is quite simple. Why did all that happen? The reason is you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is not a question of ignorance. This is a question of innocence. And this is the requirement for our imputed righteousness. Although we won't practice it today, We want to stop and acknowledge our time that normally would take place of communion to both commemorate and to celebrate the life and ministry of Jesus. We do this by partaking of the bread, which represents Jesus' body being broken for us, and the blood, which represents his his shedding of the blood for the eternal forgiveness of our sins. Would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you for this day. This Good Friday, we thank you, God, that you have imputed to us a gift that is outnumbers and outweighs anything or anyone that we could ever, gift we could receive from anyone. We pray and ask, Lord, even now, that your word will go forth and um, you will allow it to have its place. We ask, God, that you will grow our sensitivity to an understanding of what it meant for you to be our sacrifice and to be our substitute. Grow us in the fear. Grow us in the knowledge. Grow us in the affections of Christ even today, we pray. As always, God, take our little and make much of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm James A.P. Fields, Jr. Lead Pastor at Sojourn Church Carlisle. Thanks for listening. We're a church that is rooted in the community of South Louisville. And we are seeking to advance the gospel of Christ in South Louisville and beyond. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support our ministry, visit SojournChurch.com backslash Carlisle, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. God bless.